Welcome back to They Reminisce Over You. I'm Christina. And I'm Miguel. For this episode, we've put together some highlights of some of our previous episodes, moments that gave us a chuckle, and we thought that you might enjoy them as well. Especially if you are just discovering us now, this could give you some ideas of maybe which ones you might want to check out that you haven't heard yet. Yeah, you'll get a little sample as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> this will give you a little roadmap of they reminisce over you and where you should go from here. So feel free to go back and listen to those full episodes if you haven't heard them yet, or sit back and check out this episode where we're going to play clips of some of our favorite moments. And since we're sharing some of our favorite clips, hit us up on social media at Troy Podcast on the bird and the gram and let us know what some of your favorite moments of the podcast have been so far. So the first one we're going to play for you guys is a clip from episode two called where the fuck is Tevin Campbell? <laughs> we gave it that title because at the time he wasn't active on social media and he had deleted his accounts. And we were just basically saying, where the fuck is Tevin Campbell? <laughs> and we need him. We want him to come mm-hmm. back. Ironically, after this episode was released, Tevin came back to social media. So I'd like to think that this episode brought him back <laughs> to social media and I will take credit for it. Well, I don't know if I'm willing to take credit for it, but he did hit us up on our gram. He did. And confirmed our um, theory. Yes. I had a theory that he was channeling Whitney Houston in all of his music, and he basically confirmed it. Yeah. So if you were like, that ain't true. Yep. Tevin, Tevin told us himself. That he was. <laughs> he was inspired by Whitney Houston. So if you don't believe us, go to our Instagram and check the post. It's there. Yeah, it's like way back though, because this was our second <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, it was our second episode, so you're going to have to dig for it. But we talked about his voice and how it changed from his first album to his second album, mm-hmm. how some of the songs weren't appropriate for his age. Talking about, I'm going to do you after school, like some homework. Like some homework and <laughs> talking about, you've got your bags packed, ready to go, but like, <laughs> you ain't living with nobody right now. So we're going to play that clip and here we go. It is also funny that um, I was saying how I thought he was a girl in this song Mm -hmm. because by the time the album came out, his voice had dropped a little bit. Yeah. But it's just funny because, you know, we were watching the those YouTube twins that react to different songs. Yes. And they thought he was a girl in Can We Talk? And I'm like, his voice had dropped by then. Yeah, he, he was getting a little deeper at that <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, like he still had a high voice, but I'm like, he sounds like a boy to me. But yeah. I mean, I guess we you, knew who he was. Yeah, we knew who he was. And we're not just hearing like a five second clip on TikTok right. or something. right? So I thought that was funny. Yeah, he was recording these songs Mm -hmm. for his first album when he was like 13 to 14. And the content that he's singing about (laughs) is not for 13 and 14 year olds. Like what 13 year old should be singing? Tell me what you want me to do. Come on, man. Yeah. You should be singing about doing your homework. Well, I mean, that's probably why he was getting these comparisons to Michael Jackson. I mean, Michael, well, in the Jackson 5, he was... Yeah, yeah. When he's singing the Jackson 5, he was quite young and he's singing about relationship stuff. Yeah. He's singing about, like, we living together. Yeah. Don't leave. Yes. Why you got your don't leave. Where is she bag? going? She lives with her parents. In theory, she should. In the hallway, ready to go. Ready to go. Yes, not ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> well. Oh, come on, man. You're 13 years old. <laughs> 
well, tell me what you want me to do was actually the song that made me a fan. Okay. So when I heard that song, I was like, oh, it's that round and round kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he sounds like a boy now. Right. And he's singing these grown ass songs. But I mean, I was a kid at the time too. So it didn't, it wasn't weird to me <laughs> because yeah. when you're a kid, you just don't. I didn't catch it at the time yeah. because I'm only a year older than he right. is. So he's just a kid who was singing. Yeah. And he was older than me, even though he's still a kid. He was right. older than me. So it wasn't that weird to hear him singing about tell me what you want me to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I listen to it as an adult, like you had no business singing these songs, right. man. Well, by this time, I had started to develop my own taste in music. So this song, uh, not only did it make me a fan of Tevin, but it also is reflective of sort of my what's it called like coming into my own taste okay. of music so that song is very representative of the kind of stuff that i was starting to really like yeah personally and not just sort of just listening to what everyone else was listening to okay yeah i think it's funny that he was getting these comparisons to michael jackson only because he was young and he's singing r&b music and he's got that high voice too yeah you know? but vocally and the style of his singing Prince sounds nothing like Michael Jackson. Not Prince either. I think he sounds closer to Prince. Nope, I'm going to you blow your mind so. with okay, this. Okay, all right. Listen to any Tevin Campbell song. I don't care which one it is. Anything after Round and Round, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. I'm going to have to listen to this again and think about that. Listen to any of his songs. Mm -hmm. He is channeling Whitney Houston. I guess maybe the Prince and Michael Jackson comparison is easy to make just because of again because he has like a high i don't know musical words but he has like a higher <laughs> voice yeah so it's i think it's easy to just be like oh michael jackson yeah that that's what it was but listen to it again once right. we're done recording go all back right. and listen all to right. it listen to all of the songs and imagine whitney singing them. okay so maybe because i finally discovered hearing prince so prominently on round and round i kept just hearing prince after that <laughs> Well, on the first, no, second album, Prince did like five songs. Yeah, I was going to say, especially, well, we'll talk about that album later, yeah. but there's definitely some Prince influences. Yes, because he was a huge Whitney Houston fan mm -hmm. and pretty much emulated Whitney Houston. Right. All right, so this next clip is from episode 16, Usher, These Are My Confessions. Usher came out singing some inappropriate songs as well, just like Tevin Campbell did. Definitely. His was more egregious, I think. They were. <laughs> because I think he was actually younger than Tevin yes. at the time that he was doing these songs. But what we're talking about in this clip, mm -hmm. he was actually 18. So I'll allow him to. Yeah. It was that first album that was really out of pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we're talking about him uh, and his performance on Nice and Slow, specifically the video where mm -hmm. Christina, remember that Gamora Lee Simmons gets kidnapped and they put her in a cage. Yes. Not only does she get kidnapped, they put her tall ass in a cage. <laughs> I didn't remember any of that. <laughs> and I went back and watched the video after we recorded and it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> so here's a little clip about that and about how Usher dominated the year 2004 with the Confessions album. Actually, I don't remember if it's, it's in this clip. Probably is. But him dominating with the Confessions album really showed the change in his audience and you can really see it in this tiktok challenge that's been going around right now where people are asking their friends and co-workers where usher was at seven o'clock on the dot and some people know where he was yes other people and there's don't. A, a very um clear demarcation 
demarcation. <laughs> yeah, that the word line of demarcation of who knows where he was and who doesn't know where he right. was. Right, <laughs> and think about that while you're listening to this clip, and also yeah. think about where Usher was at seven o'clock. Do you know? Because mm-hmm. I know. I do too. All right. So on that note, let's check out the clip. Another song that's really inappropriate, even though he's a little bit older now, is Nice and Slow. Yeah. But at least he was a little bit older, yeah. so I'll accept it I at this point. I think at this point he should have at least been 18. I wrote it down here, so he's 19. Okay, because it was 1997. Yeah, so I'll accept yeah. it at this point. Like, it's a little more believable than on the first album. <laughs> yep. Was it nice and slow that Kamora Lee Simmons was in the video? I don't remember. I didn't watch this video. Because there's a video, I'm pretty sure it's nice and slow, where she gets kidnapped by some gangsters or something. Man. I think they put her in a cage. (laughs) I definitely need to look this up. Definitely Kamara was in it. And and I'm pretty sure there's some kind of kidnapping. You have to go rescue her. But I'm having visions of her being like locked up. That's funny. (laughs) I watched a couple videos, but not as many as I usually didn't get to it this time. So we move on to Confessions. And I did not realize how big this album was until we saw some random tweet yeah. about the Billboard Top 100s 2004. So we've talked about the Billboard Top 100 many times being like, that's the non-genre specific chart. Right. Right. And so when we say non-genre specific, usually you have to be really popular as a black artist to like get number one hits yeah. on, on that chart or to chart a little higher there than like on the r&b hip-hop charts usher dominated 2004 not only was 2004 the first time that every single number one hit on the top 100 was by a black artist he dominated for six months yes with different songs from this album <laughs> like that is, is crazy wild <laughs> basically 28 weeks of the year usher was at number one yeah from february to august yeah except for one week in july where fantasia snuck in there somehow <laughs> and then usher went right back to number one which i'm kind of surprised fantasia was able to sneak in as well but just because of the type of artist she is yeah i'm like at the top 100 to right. hit number one even if it was just for a week was this when she was on American Idol? Maybe that had something well, to had do to with it. Well, had to be after. Right. But maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. Like, here's the one from American Idol. I Check guess. out her single. But for the weeks from February to August, he was number one. And then did it again for another six weeks in the fall. So it was like usher year. Basically, more than half the year, he was number one on the charts with different songs from this album. I just pulled it up. So it started with, yeah, from February 18th to May 15th. That song was <laughs> yes. number one. Not just on the charts, number one. Yeah. So February to May. <laughs> and then followed up with Burn mm-hmm. from May 22nd to July 3rd. Then Fantasia snuck in for that one week. <laughs> right. And then Burn came back for another week. And then Confessions Part 2 for two weeks. And then got knocked out by a slow motion. Soldier Slim and Juvie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ended up back in the fall with My Boo with Alicia Keys from October 30th to December 4th. So it was just like usher year. And we're just looking at the number one week. So I'm sure he was in the top 10. Right probably the whole year (laughs) yeah you couldn't get away from it like i knew it was big but i didn't realize more than half the year he was number one on the charts big Mm -hmm. and it's also interesting as we said already about the top 100 that this year every single number one artist was a black artist yeah 
I was looking at the number ones from 1990 up to 2004. Mm -hmm. And there's always been a lot of black artists, but not surprisingly, kind of like after 93, 94 was when there were more. Because as we know, hip hop was starting to get more popular in R&B, especially like R&B infused hip hop too. Because prior to that, in like the early 90s, it would be like Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Mm -hmm. like more of the pop artists. So it's not surprising that after 93, 4, that there started to be more black artists. But it's pretty interesting to see like every single artist at number one. And then Usher being half of the year. Yeah. That album has sold over 10 million copies. And this is physical copies. We're not talking streaming numbers. This is when people were still going out and buying CDs. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. Well, the thing that's hilarious about this album, too, so, you know, called Confessions, and he's confessing about cheating and blah, blah, blah. Right. And everybody mad at him thinking he's talking about Chili. Because yeah. they were dating and they broke up around this time. But all this time, it was Jermaine Dupree's story. Yeah. <laughs> He's singing tales of Jermaine's outlandish life. And I never really understood why people would think that he's singing about Chili mm-hmm. on Confessions Part 1. He says that he was hanging out in L.A. with his ex. Confessions Part 2, he says he ended up getting a girl pregnant that he didn't even know. Right. It's like, these are two different people. <laughs> so come yeah. on, read the context clues, people. Yeah. He's not talking about Chili. I was able to figure that out. I didn't need Jermaine to come out and say, hey, he's talking about me. (laughs) This ain't about him and Chili. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought that was funny, though. Well, even though this album was obviously super huge, as we had just explained, after doing these re-listens, I realized this is also my favorite album from him. Me too. Like, as a full album, this is probably his best one. Okay, this next one is from episode nine. It's about Mary J. Blige called No Hateration, <laughs> Holleration in This Dancery. Of course, it so had to be. It had to. And that tells you what we were on in this episode. <laughs> uh, this specific clip, though, is the transition of Mary going from my life mm-hmm. and the turmoil that was surrounding that album and mm-hmm. how it sounds transitioning into the Share My World album. Yep. I also compared her first three albums to the Chicago Bulls second three P. Mm-hmm. If you're a sports fan. That analogy will make sense to you if you also like Mary J. Blige. <laughs> and I also mentioned that Mary and Kim were like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen during that run. Yes. We're going to check that out right now. And then the album ends with Be Happy. Because that's all she wants, to be happy. But She deserves it. <laughs> you listen to the intro all the way to no one else, and she's not getting through to Casey or the unnamed person that she kept talking about in the commentary yeah. since she wouldn't name him. But then you get to be happy and it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And if that means I got to be by myself, then I'm going to be by myself. That's the way I read it yeah. is this entire album is her begging for this man to come around. Right. And then he doesn't. And she's like, all right, I see what's going on here. It's yeah. time for me to move. I just want to be happy. I'm moving on. <laughs> And I'm going to be all right, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect setup for the next album, which is Share My World. Just listening to it, it sounds a lot like a person who has gotten out of a toxic relationship yeah. and is trying to get her shit together. 
I don't know what the timeline is, but after Casey, she dated Case and ended up in another not so great relationship with him. I'm going to go out on a limb and say during the time of this album. Yeah, she let him go too. I don't know if she had let him go or maybe they weren't together. Yeah. But this sounds like a single woman. This sounds like somebody who has found out who she is Mm -hmm. and is like letting the world know. Yeah, like even though she's still sort of like singing, she still has the heartbreak songs and whatnot. But there is some of that melancholy sounds. Yeah, it's it's not you did this thing. It's more of just general. Yeah, I'm unhappy with whatever's going on in my life right now. Yeah, it's not as specific. Yeah, (laughs) I'm begging you. Yeah, no, it's just general i need some love so this album no more diddy no um she most it was a lot of track masters jimmy jam cherry lewis and uh baby face and rodney jerkins he who will not be named yes the nigga who shall not be named mm. and that song is a banger too i mean this was a no skip album until he had to go and ruin it <laughs> yeah even though she's not working with diddy on this album the sound is still basically the same in a sense that she's still carrying on that r&b hip-hop relationship uh it's a lot more polished and it's she sounds seasoned now. Yeah, she sounds seasoned and the world knows who she is. Right. She knows that we know who she yeah. is. Like, she's arrived. Yeah. <laughs> and when we were in the car the other day, just talking about this album and whatnot, and this analogy came to me, uh, it probably won't make much sense to you. But if there's anybody out here who's a basketball fan and was a basketball fan in the 90s, this will make sense. All right. So Mary's run from what's the 411 to share my world is basically like the Chicago Bulls second three peak okay. when Jordan came back from retirement the first time. What's the 411? So kicked it off. You got the peak in the middle and then you watch the last dance with me. So share my world would be the last dance okay. where they couldn't be touched. Nobody was better than them and everything that they did was just amazing i say that because the song with her and lil kim they were on that song like jordan and pippen that one is a classic yes <laughs> they were like jordan and pippen <laughs> on that song okay and when i was okay. sitting in the car and said 72 and 10 write this down <laughs> send me a text right now this yeah. is why yes. i was putting it all together the only difference is my life would have been before what's the 411 to make this chicago bulls analogy perfect but you know, it's my analogy, so I'm going to okay. do it the way I want. Because the first season of the three-peat was the most wins that they had, 95 and 96. But this was the second one. Almost a perfect analogy, but I think it's brilliant. <laughs> well, I can't argue with you because I don't watch basketball like that. But I do get the Jordan and Pippen <laughs> reference, though, at least. This was a great feature for yeah. to have Lil' Kim on. And I'm not a big Lil' Kim fan, but the one song of hers that I do love mm-hmm. is Queen Bitch. And that's what this song right. samples. And it's not in the credits, but Biggie wrote this verse. You cannot convince me he, that he it, did not write this. It sounds like Biggie. Dipping on your Ninja Honda with Tanisha and Ronda. Yes. That's Biggie. And I don't care what anybody says. He wrote this verse. So he's the Pippin in this situation. Yeah. And Mary's the Jordan. But I'll let Lil' Kim get she in. She still it. had to deliver it, though. Yeah. She, <laughs> she served it. Because if it was him, it wouldn't have been bad. But no, it this, wouldn't have been bad. This had this. to be Lil' Kim, though. Yeah. This is like the perfect match. All right, our next clip is from episode 12 about Missy Misdemeanor Elliot called Beat Beat. Who got the keys to the Jeep? Also, our most popular episode. Yes, our most popular episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers. 
speak for itself. Yes. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't. <laughs> from Sean Carter a few years back. <laughs> but in this clip, we're talking about Missy being the lead singer in Sista, where we both heard her first on Gina Thompson's The Thing You Do. Where we couldn't stop saying he he <laughs> You have to say it <laughs> even now. <laughs> if only this were a video, we could do that little shuffle dance. <laughs> exactly. <it> so <laughs> We'd look like fools doing it. But <laughs> anyway, we also talked about her remixes, her songwriting and production before her album came out, mm-hmm. realizing that we knew who she was before we knew who she was. So let's listen to that clip right now. She got her start early on with Devante Swing, part of a group that he had locked in his basement for about a year. <laughs> and they were literally called the basement. Yeah. Well, the crew. <laughs> they were the basement crew, but he also called them the Swing Mob. And that's where she got her start in a group called Sister. I didn't actually know about her affiliation with Devante and the Swing Mob until after she had already gained fame with her solo work in her first yeah. album. Because I think at that point, I just thought of Devante as being part of Jodeci and Right. It was this discovery. It was like, wait a minute. He was out here nurturing all these artists. I knew, but I didn't know that she was affiliated with it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because I had seen the sister video, brand new. I just remember seeing it on BET all the time. It wasn't a great song, but just seeing Devante and Dalvin in the video. Oh, Devante's putting his own little thing together, and I guess these girls are a part of it. So that was my first introduction to Missy. But I didn't realize it was her until years later. Yeah, I never actually heard any of Sister's music, but I remember seeing a picture in a magazine. I think this might have been Word Up magazine. Just one of those teen magazines right. or gossip mags. It wasn't Source or Double XL, but I just saw a picture and I was like, wait a minute. I know that face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even recognize her at that point either. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I'd seen the video and I do remember being shocked that she was the lead singer because, duh, colorism. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to let the, the chubby dark skinned girl be yeah. the lead. But when you're that talented, you kind of have, have to. to. <laughs> so I was shocked at that. And then, like I said, the song really didn't do too much for me. And I really never heard their album. And then just researching this, mm-hmm. it never came out. <laughs> so that's why I never heard it again. But the next time I saw her was. I think, what's her name? Gina, Gina Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. So I really didn't pay attention to the song much either until she saw the hee hee howling in it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Who is this person and why are they hee howling <laughs> on my TV? I liked the song. I don't know if I've ever heard any other song from Gina Thompson, but she was nope, me neither. Uh, one of Puffy's artists. Yeah. And same thing. So I'm watching the video. I'm hearing the song. All of a sudden, this car drives up. This woman jumps out, starts rapping, all right, okay. And then that, I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is weird. Yes. (laughs) Because who wouldn't think it would be weird other than her? (laughs) And then she's doing this little shuffle dance and stuff too. Even though I was like, who's this weirdo? She definitely left a memorable impression. Oh, yeah. Because the next time I saw her, I'm like, oh, it's that person. You're just like, why is she always doing this? (laughs) I, I didn't even put that together because I saw her in another song don't even remember what it was but it's like okay here's this short haired chick again mm-hmm. that was in this Gina Thompson video and then I see her in another song after that and it's like who is this person was it Stilo it might have been she did like a f- couple features around this time yeah and I can't remember if she actually made that little sound again but it was, she okay, did it okay. in 
two other songs okay. after that. Because I then, remember associating the he. Yeah, because like, every time I this? would see her, it would be like, that's the he 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 how girl. Yeah. And why she would diddy all the time. So I just assumed she was some <laughs> new bad boy artist that he was trying to just get some exposure for. Yeah, she was just on everything at that point. She was on a new edition mm-hmm. song. She was on Stilo. It was uh, MC Light. That's where I saw her again. The Cold Rocker Party. Because she's on that too. And just a whole bunch of other remixes that she was on. Basically, her and Busta Rhymes were just everywhere Mm -hmm. at this time. Yeah, so at first, honestly, I feel bad saying this, but I didn't think much of her. Because it was like these little small features. Yeah. I just, at the time, I just couldn't wrap my head around who she was. Right. And even though, you know, I saw her on Stilo, for example, I didn't know she was like a producer and a writer. It was just like, who is this? Just listening back to all of this stuff. Mm -hmm over the past couple days now you can recognize it oh yeah like i listen to these songs like from total and swv and all i can hear is missy even when she's not singing that's what i hear but at the time we didn't know who she was so it didn't stand out as much after listening to her albums title had a playlist of like produced or written by missy elliott so i was like oh let me just go through and listen to other people's songs and there are some that it's obvious because she's on the song yeah but there are some where she's not even on the song or officially not on the song and now like you were just saying i'm like how can I not hear Missy yeah. all over this? <laughs> That's all like I in can the hear. background. <laughs> I know you won't know this song, Confessions, because it's from Destiny's Child's first album. Missy's doing these sort of background ad libs. Okay. And it kind of sounds like she's on the phone and she's just little ad libs while they're singing, but near the end of the song, she actually's like, Misdemeanor, Destiny. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. Missy, duh. (laughs) Yeah, just right there in plain sight and didn't even notice it. So one of the interesting things about doing this podcast is when we revisit these artists, as much as we have loved them for years, it's very different to reflect back now that they have a full body of work and also just listen to it all at once. Yeah. Even though she released a lot of albums. A lot. Every one or two years, which is a lot. Yeah. But you're still waiting one or two years in between to hear this new music. But hearing all... All of it within a span of less than a week. I was like, wow, Missy is prolific. And I did not even really understand that without actually consuming everything in such a short amount of time. And same here. I didn't even realize how much music she had been a part of. Mm-hmm. over the past what 25 years or whatever mm-hmm. and i did realize that she hadn't had a full album out since 2005 because she's still been writing and producing for so many other people she's still been around the entire time yeah like when i was pulling up her artist page to start going through the albums the two things i noticed was she was releasing music all the time and she had big hits on every album and then I was kind of surprised to see it just stopped in 2005. And I think because she does so much work for other people and I've always listened to her music that it never felt like she disappeared for me, right? But I have a confession to make. Okay. I realized going through this that I have never purchased or owned an actual Missy album, though. Wow. Yeah. I shocked myself because when I was listening to it, I was like, wait a minute. I've never listened to a Missy album from beginning to end before. And I feel ashamed. (laughs) But I'm confessing. We might have to slide you over to Skills Podcast so you can give your hip hop confession. These are are my confessions. (laughs) 
Do I even want to admit in public that I've never listened to an entire Missy Elliott song? Well, you uh, have Missy now. Elliott album before. <laughs> you admitted it. So it's too late. I've said it. You did. It, it's funny that you say that you've never had one and I've had all of them and I didn't like her at first. Like I said, <laughs> I thought she was weird. It, it really didn't click for me until probably the Aaliyah stuff. Because I guess I needed that Missy Timberland connection to make it make sense for me. Them together is what brought everything out, I guess. This next clip is from episode six about the 1995 Source Awards. A wild night. Yes, there was a lot going on. Flavor Flav had a cast on each arm. Mob Deep broke the microphones, <laughs> so there was a <laughs> the lot of distortion. Booing in the audience was just as loud as the people on stage. Yeah, it, it was a lot. So if you <laughs> get a chance, go to our website. We have a link to it, so you can watch it as well. This was also the infamous night where Andre Three Thousand was upset that they weren't getting the respect that he thought they deserved, and said the South got something to say. And he meant that shit. He definitely did because he was mad, pacing back and forth. But in this clip, we wanted to highlight. Some other hilarious yes. moments that maybe you forgot about or don't get talked about as much. Yes, because everybody talks about him and Snoop. Mm-hmm. But in this clip, we're specifically talking about two things. The 69 boys performance. <laughs> there was a whole lot of ass shaking and working going on from four dudes. In New York in 95. Yeah, so, so it, it got the response care. that you thought it would. <laughs> but surprisingly, the Notorious B.I.G. was grooving to it. Yeah, he was there to have a good time. He was enjoying the 69, <laughs> the 69 boys performance. <laughs> uh, we also talked a little bit about Jermaine Dupri and the brat performing as well. So we're going to check that out right now. After this awkward um, presentation and Outcast getting booed and yeah. stuff. <laughs> We go into a performance by the 69 boys. The 69 boys of <laughs> all people. They're doing Yes. And it's hilarious. Like, they get booed when they first come <laughs> out there. People, like, get them off the stage. But what's so funny is, like, you know, it's this high-energy song. Yeah. And, you know, down in Florida and stuff, everybody twerks, male, females, whatever. Everyone's... A whole lot of ground humping and yes. ass shaking was happening at this and point. And it was hilarious because you have... All these like New Yorkers, these, you know, listening to like Wu Tang, right. <laughs> and then you got the 69 boys up there just twerking, yeah. ass shaking, <laughs> humping the ground, <laughs> ass up in the air. And it just looks so out of place. Yeah, and what's funny about this is. <laughs> and everybody's just sitting down. I don't, everybody's <laughs> not reacting or anything. I don't know if this is some creative editing or yeah, what. Yeah. But they cut to Biggie yeah. and he was grooving. Yeah. I mean, when they cut to people in the audience, you can see some people. Um, nodding their heads and stuff. I don't think it was creative editing in the sense of like he was nodding to something else, but no one was, nobody was live enough to like actually get up again. Yeah. So even if you're like nodding in your seat as a performer, I would imagine, especially I'm sure they're used to much more high energy audiences, yeah. right? As a performer, I think it would be weird if you're over there with your ass up twerking and everyone's just <laughs> sitting in their seats. But Biggie was feeling it though. Yeah. Biggie's like, this is my shit right here. Yeah. But I just think it just made it seem so much more awkward because of the environment they were in. Yeah. <laughs> but if you looked at, there's some footage from the 94 events when Luke performed. Although they had girls on the stage too, so maybe that helps. Yeah, but... that, that changes things. Because <laughs> everybody was really into it. But you just got these four dudes twerking. <laughs> right, humping the ground. Yeah, to the New York audience. <laughs> it just makes it look so awkward. It's like, yeah. this is not Freak Nick. <laughs> not at <laughs> it all. It seems so out of place. Everybody here wearing Tim's and... 
and stuff and yeah. you over here with your Harlem Globetrotter shorts on. <laughs> and there was a time when they were showing some crowd shots mm-hmm. and I'm like, is that somebody sitting there with a ski mask on? So I rewind it and yes, it was. Not surprised. And then as I'm watching the rest of the show, I'm, I started thinking about it. Like, oh, it was Ghostface. Because uh, this was at the time when he was covering his face. Right. Because when Wu-Tang performed later, mm-hmm. I saw him on the stage. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that makes sense now. It wasn't just some random New Yorker right. in the crowd with a face mask on. Well, there might have been somebody else. It's possible there could have been, <laughs> but it was Ghostface. Well, not all the performances were um, met with booze, shall we say. No. Jermaine Dupree and the Brat performed after, and it was... They weren't hype, but it was there was no booing. Like people yeah. generally enjoyed it. They it got was, some polite claps. Yeah, it was non-controversial. There was a lot of, I guess, underhanded comments. Yeah. Not necessarily like JD wasn't being underhanded in a negative way in, right. in the sense of like trying to be petty. He was just like, well, if these people are not going to shut them out, then I will. Right. Right. And, and then, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everybody who came out was like, what up, New York? We love yeah. New York, blah, blah, blah. But New Yorkers get up there and like, right. Brooklyn! Yeah. See, I was just about to say that. It's like they all knew. They're like, we got to be nice because right. like, we're in New York. So everybody's trying to be, be polite. polite. Like, what's up, New York? Yeah. <laughs> Accept us, please. Yeah. Well, after watching the show, I've had, I'm going to give it to you, stuck in my head on and off. For like yeah, me days. too. <laughs> Wear it up. Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this next clip is also from the Source Awards episode, but it's the bonus that we did Mm -hmm. a couple days later. Uh, It's the story of Questlove talking about running out of the theater when Snoop (laughs) came on stage, and he ended up getting D'Angelo's brown sugar Mm -hmm. tossed into his hand, and that led to them on a lifelong friendship. Mm -hmm. So we're going to listen to that one, and then that will take us into the D'Angelo clip. Episode 28, How Does It Feel? But I'm not naked. (laughs) Got my abs out right now. Oiled up. Yeah, all greasy with my (laughs) cornrows. So in this clip, we're talking about how the sound changed from the Brown Sugar album to the Mm -hmm. Voodoo album. And a little bit about how the album was put together with a lot of different jam sessions and whatnot. How they were freestyling a lot of this stuff. So, want to listen to it right now? Let's listen to it. Okie dokie. Uh, Questlove said that as soon as John Singleton said that Dr. Dre won, mm. he grabbed his date's hand. and was like, we, we out of here. Oh, he I'm said he got, up, that he got up oh, and left. You Questlove can't see him. said that. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said John Singleton, but then why would his date be on yeah. stage with him? Okay. He so Questlove. He, he grabbed whoever it was with him, her mm. hand and they ran out of the theater. <laughs> he said, as he's running away, he can hear Snoop on stage saying, y'all think I love Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. <laughs> So he says he's running out of the theater and he's out in the lobby and somebody is now chasing him, trying to give him a cassette. He's like, you need to listen to this. You would like this. This is something that's up your alley. And the guy handed him Brown Sugar by D'Angelo. Wow. And he said he took it from the guy. And if there had been a garbage can around, he would have thrown it away. Because he's like, I ain't trying to hear your demo tape right now. It wasn't D'Angelo who gave it to him. But... It was just somebody handing out cassettes and whatnot. He said he threw it in his pocket. They run down the street. He said they ran 10 blocks back to the hotel. So he gets (laughs) back to the hotel and he pulls the tape out of his pocket. He's looking at it and he sees on the back of it that it was engineered by Bob Power, Mm -hmm. who was doing the root stuff and Mm -hmm. Tribe Call Quest and a lot of other hip hop stuff at the time. He's Mm -hmm. like, oh, 
So if he's involved in it, this must be good. And he said he listened to it and was like, I need to get in touch with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he said it took him like a year before he finally got in touch with him. But that started him and D'Angelo being friends. Mm-hmm. So this one definitely sounded more experimental than Brown Sugar. Even though Brown Sugar kind of ushered in a new sound, it was still, you know, more R&B. Whereas this one, you can hear a few more of those hip hop influences, but now you're also hearing more like funk, bluesies, like Jimi Hendrix and Prince, which are some big influences for him. And you can really hear that now. And the album very much sounds like a big jam session. Yeah. Basically was. Can you imagine how much recorded music there is that we will never hear? (laughs) Well, (laughs) from everything I've read or seen about it, they would just go in and do stuff all the time. Because I think in the intro I said he was a one take singer because he had mentioned that he does like to record his vocals in one take because he likes how it just sounds natural the first time around so it's like how many songs are there if you're a one-take singer which kind of goes into what we were talking about yesterday about Mm -hmm. whether he's a whispering bitch or not (laughs) and i said (laughs) that he's a mumbling bitch not a whispering bitch (laughs) because he doesn't enunciate (laughs) yeah he's on his scissor well no it's different with her that's a different sound yeah but anyway (laughs) i'm thinking they're just basically freestyling a bunch of stuff and then whatever Mm. comes out we're gonna keep it Because he's like, when he was mentioning his one take, he's like, even if I'm mumbling, I want to keep it. Which makes sense if Mm -hmm. they're just sitting in there jamming for hours. Right. I read pieces of a Rolling Stone interview because it was behind a goddamn paywall. (laughs) Uh, But Toure was saying how they would sit around and watch movies for hours. Mm -hmm. And then they would go in the studio and just start jamming and playing other people's music. And eventually, as they're playing, it would transform into something else. Okay. So I'm assuming that's how they did a lot of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Where you start just playing a Prince song and next thing you know, you're freestyling at the end and Mm -hmm. now the music is changing and here we are with whatever comes out. Yeah, so this kind of felt less cohesive as a full album because it does sound like basically what we were just saying, a big jam session. So it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Even them just leaving like chatter in it kind of made, I guess that's probably what they wanted. Yeah. You get a lot of that on the other stuff they were working on around the time, like Common's album and Erykah Badu's album. There's a lot of that feel to it as well. Yeah. And they were all recording in the same studio, right? Yeah. um, What's it called again? Electric Lady. Yes. So they were talking about how, like, people would just drop by. Yeah. Like Common and Erica and just kind of come by and hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This next clip is from... Episode 29 called Nehu. <laughs> you forgot to outstretch your arms. They don't know that. Okay. Picture the rain <laughs> coming down. I had my fist balled Girls up. Get fist balled up. His chest is open. My eyes were closed. <laughs> so in the Nehu episode, we basically ranked our favorite. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say our favorite to worst, but that's a little bit harsh. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. We had, we did break them down into tiers. But. Yeah. We broke down <laughs> the male R&B group of the nineties into different tiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went from the highest tier to the lowest tier. Some people <laughs> fell in the middle where right. Silk was. Mm-hmm. So this clip is about Silk's Freak Me video mm-hmm. and the lack of confidence that I thought that they had <laughs> singing Freak Me. If you just want to hear Miguel's impression of Silk, listen to this clip. <laughs> 
they heard a little bit just now <laughs> with <true>. the Nehu, <laughs> but there's more singing. <laughs> you too. Yeah, but see, I be dropping a little sing-songy here and there all the time. That's you true. don't as often. That's true. <laughs> so we're going to listen to that clip right now. And I mentioned that I wanted to say something about Silk. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching the, the Freak Me video and the guy who sings the chorus with the high voice. Yeah. The other two dudes <laughs> who are doing the little raps, you can just look at them and they don't even believe the shit they're saying. <laughs> like, I have to watch that. There's a complete <laughs> lack of confidence in the shit that they're saying. <laughs> and you can see it in their eyes. But then Lil G comes on, he's, let me make you up. <laughs> like killing it but these two are just yeah oh. <laughs> i want to be your man maybe like, they're just there to be cool like you don't believe <laughs> any of this i can't get over the meeting in my bedroom 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 i, just, <laughs> I can't it's too much for me <laughs> that's another one that i was laughing at yesterday <laughs> i don't even remember the line that i texted to you then he followed it up with be there or be square. Something about, um, was it something about your stilo? And I'm going to look it up I right now. I thought you were talking about 702. No, I was talking about these dudes. Oh. Where is it? You're jiggy and you know, I'm feeling your stilo. Oh. Like he didn't believe that. <laughs> he didn't say it with any confidence. <laughs> but Lil G comes in singing the hook. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he meant that shit. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> it's like, y'all don't, you have no confidence in yourself. You don't believe in yourselves. The only song that I actually like, like will take the time to listen to of Silk is Hooked on You. Okay. But that bedroom, bedroom, bedroom. <laughs> but remember we saw a video of one of these bands, these school bands played that song? Yeah, that's, um, Which one it was it? a marching band. Yeah. What school was it? I don't remember. It was one of, one of the HBCUs. HBCUs. And they played that. When you showed it to me, I was like, I know this song. What is it? But then when they got to the bedroom, yeah. I was like, it's Silk. <laughs> all right. So this next clip is probably the favorite clip of all of our <laughs> <laughs> recordings in a year and a half. Uh, we're talking about episode 24, Montel Jordan, one hit wonder? Question mark. Where we discuss whether he actually is. A one-hit wonder or not. Spoiler and alert, he's not. He's not. <laughs> we don't think he's a one-hit wonder, and we <laughs> use this episode to prove it. Right. Basically, we're going to put you in on a little secret. Whenever you see one-hit wonder in our titles, we know they're not one-hit wonders. <laughs> <laughs> we're just here to dispel that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're trying to lure people in with the track titles. A little clickbait. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in this clip, we're talking specifically about the Get It On Tonight song and video. Mm-hmm. And just how ruthless Montel Jordan <laughs> is in this song. Ruthless and disrespectful. Yeah. He called this woman a chicken. Yes. Twice. <laughs> and complaining to the woman he's cheating with. That his woman is a chicken. And as if those lyrics aren't bad enough, the video takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, the, the video sets it off, <laughs> which is why it's my favorite Montel Jordan song <laughs> and video. It's a bop. It is. It's <laughs> undeniable. Just remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you know, you know. So let's get into that clip right now. 
the last song I wanted to talk about is from his fourth album. Again, if he was a one-hit wonder, he wouldn't have made it to a fourth album. Right. Is Get It On Tonight. Yeah, and this is probably my favorite Montel Jordan song. <laughs> well, you and many others, because it was number one on the R&B hip-hop charts for 38 weeks. So that's, With good reason. Yeah, so February 11th took the Hot 100 folks a lot longer. April 11th. And it peaked at number four. So yeah, I'm not surprised that we it was party to it for a whole two months it, before <laughs> everyone else got to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised that this one was high on the Billboard charts as well. Yeah. So I guess like between this one and Let's Ride, they kind of like neck and neck in terms of popularity. Yeah, but this was his last like major hit. Right, he's definitely had more songs and more albums and stuff after this. But this is like his last major hit. Yeah, this is by far my favorite Montel Jordan song. Mm-hmm. And the video, not even close. Hands down, my favorite Montel <laughs> Jordan video. And I'm going to tell you why. Tell me why. So first of all, we were talking about this the other day. He has the Motorola Timeport two-way pager. Mm-hmm. So he's actually using the pager in the video. And of course, product placement. So they keep sh- zooming in on his text messages. Yes. And it looks so bad watching it in a 2021 lens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those who haven't seen the video, here's the premise. He's going to a party with his girl. He doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. She's like, come on, my friends are here, blah, blah, blah. He looks her in the face and is like, I'm not fucking with them tonight. <laughs> so she goes into the party by herself. He comes back to the car and starts texting this friend. Mm-hmm. She says, hey, Montel, it's Tiff. Just wanted to say what's up. He replies, my lady's stressing me, exclamation point. <laughs> she replies to that. Too bad. What are you getting into tonight? So what does this nigga reply with? You. <laughs> At least he didn't reply with you making my nature rise. <laughs> I'm getting into you tonight. And then he drives to pick yep. her up. And here's where it gets funny because this is what? 97, 98. Um, something like Somewhere that. in there. Mm-hmm. In theory, you can. Oh, no. 2000. Uh, 2000. Yep. Okay. So in theory, you can navigate the streets a little bit better than you can today without like getting caught with camera phones and like TMZ right. and all these other tabloids because he's still a celebrity. But your man is six foot eight. Wherever he goes, he's going to stand up. Mm-hmm. So she takes him to all these spots where they might not be noticed. So the first place they go to is a raid. Yeah. She's dancing her ass off and he's just standing there all annoyed like, I don't want to be in here. <laughs> yep. This place is terrible. So then she takes him to a Latin spot. So if they do a little salsa dancing, he gets a a little rum and coke in his system. He's starting to loosen up a little bit. (laughs) Yep. The third spot they go to is a hip hop club. That's the last place you want to (laughs) be as someone who probably knows the the world probably knows that you got a girl and that ain't her. And even if in the video, he's not Montel Jordan, this is where his peoples are. Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to go where people probably know you. Mm -hmm. And again, you can't blend in because you're six, eight. (laughs) (laughs) so why are you doing this you can't be incognito anywhere in the world at six foot eight and be in montel jordan who has hits on the charts at the time well according to him she's a chicken (laughs) so maybe he's thinks she'll be too dumb to notice and he called his girl a chicken you are all i want girl she's a chicken she's a chicken (laughs) wow that's harsh rude i was watching the video (laughs) and as i was telling you the one that I watched doesn't go all the way to the end because <laughs> now, first of all, he didn't even go pick her up after the party was over. Like she, she comes home and he's already oh, in the fridge pulling milk out right. and singing, my baby's stressing me. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes in and says something to him, but I don't remember what she said. Right. 
because the video cut off at that point. But she said something to him and then he repeated something to her and she just kind of stormed off. And then he started saying, my baby's stressing me again. <laughs> so if anybody out there can remember what she said to him, okay. let us know on Twitter or Instagram because I really want to know because I don't remember. I totally forgot about this until you mentioned it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, because he was getting snacks. And yeah. he's just kind of singing them. My baby's stressing me. He didn't even go pick her up after the party. Like, it's one thing for you to run off yeah. and spend the night with another girl. You at least took her home. Go back and pick your girl up at the club. And he told the other girl that she's a chicken. <laughs> just leave her. <laughs> How about you just break up? Hey. <laughs> I don't understand what the relationship was at the time, but yeah. There's a lot of things that someone might call me, but if you call me a chicken, <laughs> we're going to have problems. <laughs> to somebody else, too. To somebody else. She's a chicken. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Yeah, that was very disrespectful. But at the same time, it's my favorite Montel Jordan song. I do quite enjoy the song, even though it's... <laughs> ridiculous it is it's completely ridiculous it's ridiculous but it is catchy but those text messages were <laughs> cracking me up and they were real text messages unlike kelly Rowland with her using uh, excel. microsoft excel <laughs> on the two-way and you got kelly like what's excel when <laughs> yeah. somebody finally asked her about it i'm like girl i know you lived a great life if you have no idea what excel she has is no idea people had to explain to her what microsoft excel was <laughs> Okay, I think we're going to wrap this episode up here. Did you enjoy listening to those clips again? I did, although I didn't enjoy some of the early episodes when we were still figuring out our audio yeah. issues. <laughs> <laughs> some of the audio doesn't sound as good as it does now, but we were trying. We're learning. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're not podcast experts. Exactly. We are now. I wouldn't say experts, <laughs> but we're a lot better than we were January 1st, 2021. Yes. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Thank you again for listening to They Reminisce Over You. You can check us out on social media at Troy Podcast on the bird and the gram. Uh, if you want, you can also go to TroyPodcast.com and check out our transcripts and links to different things that we've spoken about during these episodes. Or if you just want to check out previous episodes. We also have playlists for pretty much all of our episodes on the website. So if you like music, go ahead and click those. <laughs> They're entertaining. And that's pretty much all I got for this week. So we'll see you in two weeks. Yell's ready to go eat some chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm about to go eat some chicken. So we'll <laughs> see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>